Lord, you are a good, good Father. It's who you are. And we are loved by you. That's who we are. What a great promise that is to hear today of the good Father that loves us. A Father who cares for us. Father, now as we dig into your word, Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear about your love, about your grace, about who you are, and about who we are. So, Father, we pray that you would bless our time in your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we finish up our book of James. And what a blessing it's been for us to hear from the book of James over the past several weeks. Our text today comes from chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. We read in Jesus' name. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Thus ends our reading of the of the epistle lesson of the book of James. We start this time in God's word with a question. What is extraordinary? You know, I like to pronounce it a little differently. I like to say extraordinary. Because ordinary is what we expect, what we see. But when it's something extraordinary or extraordinary, it's something that we wouldn't expect. It is something that doesn't seem natural to us. When it is something that is not in our control, it is extraordinary. You know, all the way back to the beginning of 2020, do you remember what life was like before COVID? You know, the only time that we might wear a mask was for trunk or treat. Anyways, well, back in January and February of 2020, we had a sermon series entitled 
pray first. During the series, it was said that nothing that we do has any effect without the Lord's presence and power. So in praying, we would not be going, we, we would not be going before God but we would be asking God to go before us and that our event would bring glory to himself. You know, for example, we prayed before trunk or treat. And why did we pray first? Well, first we prayed for the weather. It had been raining and it was predicted to rain during the week of trunk or treat. But not on that day. And the rain stopped the day before trunk or treat. God provided the perfect night for it to be held. And then we were concerned about the number of people that would come out for it. You know, with COVID being what it was, would anybody be coming out for trunk or treat at all? We prayed that God would do something extraordinary for the event. And God is faithful. And God is something extraordinary. And now we're able to pray first before the Christmas concert. And we pray that the message of the gospel would penetrate individuals' hearts through the music that is sung and heard. And as we do this, we pray that God would do something extraordinary at the concert. In praying, we acknowledge the power of prayer. Jesus said, ask anything in my name and it will be given to you according to his will. In praying, we also acknowledge the power of God. In confirmation this morning, we talked about how God is an omnipotent God. That God is all-powerful. And there isn't anything that God cannot do. In praying, we also acknowledge our own weakness. We acknowledge our own ability to do nothing extraordinary in our own power and in our own strength. We acknowledge our need for God. We are helpless without God. But when we pray, we can pray for something that, ex that is extraordinary. Matthew 17, verse 20, talks about the faith being the size of a mustard seed. Have you ever tried to hold a mustard seed in your hand before? I tried to pinch it and then lift up my fingers, and every time I've done that, the seed has fallen on the ground. I can't hold it unless I, I cup the seed in my hand. This, the mustard seed is a very, very small seed. And yet, the faith of something that small is able to do extraordinary things. The Bible tells us the faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. Are there mountains in your life 
that need to be moved? Do you have difficulties in your life that, that there is no way that you can get around? Or that you don't have the strength or power to overcome? These difficulties may be too much for you. Actually, these difficulties are too much for you. But they're not too much for God. For what is impossible with man is possible with God. Do you believe that today? Know this from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. That God is able to do immeasurably more. Immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. According to his power that is within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. In our text we see three prayers for the extraordinary Okay, I, I'm looking at this screen and, it, and the letters are like this big and I'm, I'm just trying to compare and saying, oh, that's pretty big compared to what I see. Doesn't help that I'm wearing my glasses. I'm not wearing my glasses either, which doesn't help either. All right, so there are three prayers for the ordinary. No, there are three prayers for the extraordinary. And the first prayer in our text was a prayer for healing. And actually, there's a two-part to that prayer for healing. And the first part was for physical healing. We read in our text, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. There was a lady I knew in North Carolina. And she was told that she had stage 4 cancer. And right when she was told that, she was told that the doctors could not do anything else for her. The doctors did all that they could do. And so she called the leaders of the church. She called the pastor. And he anointed her with oil. And they prayed for her. And then she ended up calling the doctor and, and told the doctor, hey, there's something weird going on in my body. I don't understand what is happening. And the doctor at first said, well, you know, you know cancer is probably shifting around and, and metastasizing that much more. And then she said, well, you know, I've, I've felt that before, and, and it's something different. And so the doctor said, come on in, we'll take some scans, we'll try to figure out what's happening. And so she went in, and the doctor called her in the office, and what happened? He says, I don't believe it. I can't imagine this ever happening. 
And she goes, uh, well, I, you're, you're scaring me. What's happening? There wasn't any cancer on the scans. Her scans came back clean. God did something extraordinary in that lady's life that day. And yes, God was glorified. She was able to share with the doctors. You may not understand what's going on, but I certainly do. And then she was asked to speak at one church, and then at another church, and then at another church. Not just to share what happened, but what God did. In Matthew chapter 8, we hear of a centurion. He went to Jesus and told him that his servant was paralyzed. And so the centurion told Jesus, just say the word and the servant will be healed. Just say the word. They weren't even anywhere near the servant. At first, Jesus was saying, hey, let's go to him and, and do something about it. But the centurion said, don't, don't even come to my house. Just say the word. And what happened? Jesus said, go, and it will be done. So we first see a prayer for healing. We also see a prayer for spiritual healing as well. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. There's a story in the Bible about a woman caught in adultery. It goes like this. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask, ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who, has, who is without sin cast the first stone at her. At once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. 
They were not bringing the woman to Jesus so that he might forgive her, but that he would condemn her. But yet that's not what Jesus did. Jesus still forgave, forgave her. He brought restoration to her life. And what a difference he made. Unlike the Pharisees, we have such an opportunity to lift others in prayer. And we do this not looking to bring condemnation upon them, but restoration. Jesus can bring to them freedom from the burden of sin and guilt. And Jesus offers his forgiveness to all people. What a difference Jesus can make to those we bring before him. So when we confess to each other, the point is not to condemn each other like the Pharisees did to the woman, but to pray and encourage one another and to God. And what happens? Restoration and forgiveness. It tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to condemn us. No, to forgive us, to cleanse us, to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us, purify us from all unrighteousness. How is this possible that our sins would be forgiven and that we would be cleansed? God made it possible for our sins to be forgiven. A sacrifice was made by him on our behalf. For when Jesus was put on the cross, our sin was placed on him. So when, the, so when God the Father looks down, he does not see our sin but sees the blood of the Savior. So we see the prayer of spiritual healing. The second prayer was a prayer for the temporal. It was a prayer for the here and now. Our text tells us about a story of Elijah. Elijah was a man with a na nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Talk about an extraordinary answer to prayer. Could you imagine asking God for something like that? And yet, sometimes we do. We prayed for the weather for trunk or treat. We pray that people would come. Sometimes we pray for the finances of our church. We have a goal of the loan being paid off in the next couple of years. You know, sometimes I like to crunch numbers. 
And I was crunching numbers the other day. And, and I was thinking, there is no way. If, if we continue down the path that we're going, it might take more than a couple years. But, you know, that's Dirk talking. Isn't God a God of the extraordinary? If we say that God has this plan for us, will he, will he not help us carry it out? Will he not help us achieve what he has asked us to do? Later on in the same chapter of 1 Kings that James refers to about Elijah, Elijah prays that fire would come down to a soaked altar so that the fire would consume the offering. And and this altar is soaked. They dumped buckets upon buckets upon buckets of water on this altar. And what happened? A fire came down from heaven, soaked up all the water, totally consumed the offering. Nothing was left. The altar was even broken down as well. Are there concerns that we have? It might be the government, might be our streets, might be our neighborhoods. And yet God protects us. He, he, he answers those prayers of the temporal as well. The last prayer was a prayer for the eternal, for the things that last forever. It says, my brothers, if anything, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. What are we talking about here? What is our text saying? Well, it's talking about evangelism, right? It's talking about sharing the good news of the gospel. And sharing the good news, doing evangelism, is our work. It's our opportunity. And with God's help, we are able to do this. As he gives us words to say and the opportunities to say them. But salvation, the turning of one's heart, the causing of one to believe, is not our work. We can't do it. But God can. Salvation is God's work. And so we pray that God would work in us 
and work in those we are speaking to. We pray that God would transform them, that their lives would be changed, and that they would receive eternal life. And so the last prayer is for the eternal. That God would do something extraordinary. That lives would be changed. That they might be able to live eternally with him. So we understand that prayer is, a, is not about trusting in who we are and what we can do. But prayer is trusting in who God is. This morning in Confirmation, we talked about God being omnipotent, all-powerful. That's who God is. It is about trusting in what he can do. And it is trusting him with our lives. Isn't that what faith is all about? Isn't it about trusting in who he is and what he has done? Trusting in God in what he is doing and what he will be doing for us, in us, and through us? For the sake of the kingdom? Prayer is a gift. Prayer is trusting when it doesn't make sense. Prayer is trusting that he who is able will fulfill his promise. Prayer is talking to God, who is greater, who is merciful, who is gracious, who is kind, who is all-knowing, who is everywhere, who is all-powerful. And so we pray to him who is able to accomplish immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine according to his power that is within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for this day. And Father, we thank you that we can trust you and that our lives are not dependent on who we are but who you are. For you are a good, good father. It's who you are. And Father, we thank you that we can count on you for the temporal, for the eternal, for healing, for anything and anything. And we thank you that you answer according to your will and not our own. For you know much better than us. 
And so, Father, we just pray that if there's someone here this morning who has heard this message, Father, we pray that you would speak to them and, 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 and you have cause to believe. Father, we pray that they would open their mouth and that they would share with someone today what you have done, that you have done something extraordinary in their lives. For you are the God of extraordinary. And Father, as we continue to serve you as you, as, as you serve us, Father, we pray that you would continue to do something extraordinary in our lives and in the lives in which we come in contact with. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us when we have not always been faithful to you. But yet you have restored us. You have forgiven us. You have given us your most precious gift in your son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, help us to trust you. Help us to pray to you in all things that your name would be given all the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.